0: You are listening to Labor of Love with Jason Love. This is Delaney Fisher speaking. Enjoy. Delaney Fisher. Ladies and gentlemen, using her nighttime voice. One of comedy's up-and-coming all-stars, Delaney Fisher. We worked together in a park in broad daylight between bands. (laughs) I think it was a little out of her comfort zone, Delaney is used to working for adults Drunk adults And very rarely in a club Will a child zoom across the stage on a scooter (laughs) But she hung in there like a champ We had a good time Welcome to the Labor of Love podcast Always a good time I'm Jason Love On my way home from Arizona Surrounded by dust devils And cacti Story of my life Story of my life Did I hit any of those notes? Probably not Never stops me Two nights ago I worked at the Laugh Factory in Vegas And the votes are in, folks That is my favorite club It's as nice as any improv But there's a lightheartedness That escapes the other A-rooms Even the Brad Garrett Comedy Club Right across the street at the MGM Grand the, the people are just better at the Laugh Factory With all due respect to Brad Garrett I love him Everyone loves Brad Just like everyone loves Raymond Jimmy Walker hosted that night And uh, he, he's the one who played JJ on Good Times Look it up on TV Land, kids Dynamite! <laughs> but never say that in his presence It sets him off can you imagine how many times he's heard that in his life? He's getting up there in age, Jimmy Walker. Late 60s, no filter. We were in the green room talking about his days with Sam Kennison and Rodney Dangerfield. He's talking about piles of cocaine. He saw Sam Kennison pull a gun out on another comedian at the comedy store because that guy was hitting on his lady. It's like the Wild West of comedy, man. And one of his stories led up to, um, Bitch, I got my own problems. <laughs> and he did the JJ laugh. I'm like, There you are. I remember you. It was so gratifying. I recorded it secretly with my phone. I can't publish it. That's probably against the law. But I'm going to share it with Patty. She won't turned me in again. The next night, last night, I had a rough ride. It's no one's fault. The booker cares a lot about the art and craft of stand-up and the experience of the end user, the audience, but we didn't have a chance to check out the venue in advance. So when we got there, we realized there was no actual performance space (laughs) we're like oh boy (laughs) 300 people on the way and nowhere to set up we actually set up in in a corridor between two different dining areas and the hard part is like triage we were going to have to turn our backs on one of the rooms in order to salvage the other room Sophie's choice And it was an easy choice because one of the rooms was partially cut off by a bar. Normally, a bar right next to the quote-unquote stage is enough to kill a show. But on this night, it was one of our lesser worries. We needed a lazy Susan so we could just do the show in the round and never really connect and never really make eye contact. And there was this hideous light, this makeshift light bright thing like a child's toy (laughs) look like an alien was landing in the middle of the room made me look whiter than I even am even whiter, somehow, transparent but the funny thing is that what killed the show was the sound of all the things that we were trying to plan for the sound is what ultimately killed it sounded like we were all ordering Jack in the Box in 1970. Welcome tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear some noise. And the people in the back were getting upset. I could see them uh, getting frustrated and they were asking people to move and half the room was talking, the The room that we gave up on. And finally, the, the third comic up, Decided that he was just going to start yelling, you know, Hail Mary, and God bless him. Speaking of Hail Mary, that uh, we had nothing to lose. And so he treated it like it was uh, like a pep rally. Let's hear some noise. Let's hear some... But he's a big guy. He used to be a boxer. He's got these gigantic shoes. Looks like uh, size 16 shoes, long arms, kind of. Looks like he could swing from tree to tree. He's a scary guy, but he's also self-deprecating and telling kind of They're cheesy jokes, but they're smart too. So they're they're cheesy, funny. He's kind of like Herman Munster, you know, <laughs> intimidating and un- disarming at the same time. But he's in people's face. Oh, can I hear some noise? I bought cheese and it cut me. It's the last time I buy sharp cheddar. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he got him for the most part, but the yelling went on too long, I think, because eventually some people went out for air, and um, I think we're I think we're just at the point of diminishing returns with what what he was doing heroically. So when I got up there, I just basically called a spade a spade, you know, pointed out the elephant in the room, and I said, you know. Yeah, it's not great tonight It's not a a good show you're getting You deserve better And all these guys are trying their best But let's face it, we're in a hallway in front of a light bright 150 people in the other room don't even know we're here And there's a thin line between not being able to hear us And then hearing us too much (laughs) And so I brought us together I, I think by saying uh, but at the end of the day regardless of how well the show goes we've all come here to donate to this worthy cause BACA and I'll tell you about it because it is cool and it is worthy it's called Bikers Against Child Abuse yeah they're all bikers by the way the chapter head her name is her name Nitro she, she had a great uh, introduction speech I think you know a quarter of the room heard it Which is not too bad All things considered She was a good speaker And uh, what they do It's a biker group Reminds me of the old movie Mask Again, kids, look it up on TV Land Where they're not going to hurt It's a a gang, technically A club A tough club But they're not going to hurt anybody Right? Unless they witness injustice Or if you poke the beehive you know, then there'll, then there'll be some repercussions. But for the most part, they just want to ride, man. They just want to ride. The Baca group takes the cause of children who've been either molested or, you know, violently abused, physically abused by their dads. And they just hang out with the kid. And they hang out at the house. So when the dad comes home or comes back, there are a bunch of bikers in front of his house. It's a pretty good deterrent. They even go to court with the kids, make sure everything happens the way it should, and uh, ultimately somebody goes to prison. Pretty damn cool. I wish they had that for, like, bullies, too. I could have used those guys when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, these are my friends back here, bitches. And it's cool. They, uh, even their logo, it's a fist in your face. kind of. It says Baca on the knuckles, B-A-C-A, and it's holding a barbed wire. And that was one of my jokes at the top. It's the last thing the dads see before their lights go out. Baka, bam. And the funny thing is that, even though people were straining to hear and they couldn't see and the sound grated the ears, they hung in there. They were still leaning in and laughing. And um, I planned on going directly to the guitar as a, you know, self-defense measure of self-defense. But the jokes were working So I did, I don't know, five or six minutes of just stand-up proper Then I hit the guitar and we had a good time We did as well as we could under the circumstances And it put some hair on my chest I'm just kidding, my chest doesn't grow hair I also can't grow a beard beyond the goatee That's why I got bullied So I needed baka I don't have a story today so much as a rant You know what grinds my gears? (laughs) That was my best Peter Griffin. But before I get there, I would like to share something that happened before I left. I had a show in Westlake Village. The headliner was to be Dana Eagle. And the night before, she called uh, because she felt sick. And she gave me this lame excuse. Like she has cancer. Really? Like I haven't heard that one. No, she does have cancer, and she has a good sense of humor about it. It's easier to have a sense of humor when it looks, from all accounts, scientifically, that she'll make a full recovery. Still in chemo, however, and uh, it's not something you want to do the night before stand-up comedy. So I told her, hey, no problem, whatever I can do, I rebooked her. But I still had to find a good comic at 12.30 in the morning, 12.30 after midnight, so I start at the top and I text one of my favorite comics in the world, Quinn Dale, one of the funniest dudes in the business. And he's not used to working for this little amount of money, but not only did he agree to do it, but he asked me to give his pay to Dana, right? Classiest thing I've ever seen. I was moved. I was inspired. And I told Dana about it. And Dana, also a stand-up stand-up, she couldn't accept. She said, the gift has been received many times over, but Quinn's coming out to do the work. You've already booked me. I'll love him forever, but um, no thank you. So I was doubly inspired. And my business is filled with um, arrogance or ego, insanity. We're all... Quirky and strange It's a motley crew But that doesn't mean We can't still evolve And grow up And finally get to the point Where we do like Quinn Classy gesture And it's not the first time Either It's a guy who's uh, Stuck his neck out for me uh, Inspired I'll tell you. No punchline at the end of that Just Sharon And now The rant And here's what grinds my gears I was talking to an elderly man, and I will not make fun of that, we're all on the same treadmill, but we were talking comedy, and he said, uh, oh, you're in comedy, well, have you found somebody in your field who's successful and copied everything they did to the best of your ability, and he said it just like that, and something inside me got angry, violent, like Baca would have to step in prevent me from punching this old man i'm like really you have lived all these years and that's where you're at this recipe for mediocrity do we think so little of ourselves this is a pretty good peter griffin do we think so little of ourselves that we don't have original original thoughts and creativity and imagination we're going to wait for somebody else to do it And be successful so we can copy what they do. Serious self-esteem issues. And what made me angry is that he was passing that bullshit down. That's manure of consciousness. Now, he's going to not be... He won't be around much longer. And bless his soul. He's still a human being. But I hope they bury in hell the the worldviews and core beliefs that go along with it because because it's not just this old man this is there's this epidemic illness and we're paralyzed with fear of wanting what we want and manifesting what we have inside us to to be i was talking to a guy at trader joe's the grocery the, the clerk the bagger guy And uh, he's got a good sense of humor. He knows that I'm a comic. And he goes, hey, so what else do you do besides comedy? I go, nothing. That's it. I work a lot, but that's it. And he looked hurt by it. Like he flinched. And it's not that he wasn't rooting for me, although I don't think he was rooting for me. But I think he aspired... I think he was a frustrated musician. That's what he strikes me as. I think he said something about that. But he thought that was like... Becoming an astronaut Like an artist of any kind Can't actually make a living at it You have to also Bag groceries And he was just He was that Thoreau's You know, walking in silent desperation Made famous in song By James Taylor Kids, look it up on TV Land Walking in silent desperation Who is this Grocery bagging man But I felt for him because he's just suffering at the hands of people like this old man contaminating others with that bullshit. Another guy, my uh, my old... I used to live with this guy. We'll call him a roommate because he lived in the other room in the house where I lived. And he told me I lived in a fantasy world because I thought that I could do this. I thought that I could make a living at this. And granted, I didn't really have any reason to believe that. No real uh, <laughs> indications in the world other than the dream to do it. But the fact that he would try to, to put out my fire like that is so disgusting. Everybody lives in their own fantasy world. It's just that some of us are good at it. Some of us use our imagination. And the only way that we can't make it is if we listen to people like my old roommate or the bagger at Trader Joe's or this old man who had the formula for mediocrity. I can't tell you how many things I tried to do to not do stand-up comedy because that's what I really wanted to do and it was scary. Right? It's like it takes a lot for us to want what we want. I would go up into the hills and do my stand-up comedy jokes into a stick so far in the hills that nobody could even overhear me accidentally and, and see that I had the gall to, to think that I could be all that. I, I would record my jokes into uh, and, and dub in laughter, and I called it sit-down comedy. Safe little sit-down comedy. Even looked into how much it would cost to animate it. Anything but actually do What I wanted to do I started writing jokes for other people Who were good enough to be on stage And I started selling jokes to a celebrity comic And that's how I finally got involved Opening for this guy I I just hung around long enough That it finally, inevitably Sucked me into its orbit And that's great And I still had to I still had to bark down all of the fear and guilt and doubt and shame and insecurity and all of these things that keep us paralyzed. I can't even do an impression of Peter Griffin for crying out loud. But it's okay. I, so I align more with uh, Deepak Chopra. You know, inherent in the desire or the fulfillments for its are the mechanics for its fulfillment. See? Can't even do an Indian accent Damn it It's just so frustrating for me Because I suffered at the hands of this nonsense For so long And I had a friend ask me one time So have you had any success in what you're doing? And I'm like Do I strike you as unsuccessful? (laughs) Do I seem miserable? Have I complained? Ever? Once? Maybe about gridlock, that's it and I wake up every day, and I get to do what I love. How much more success? Do I have to be on the cover of People to, to be a success in your eyes? So you really there's a book called "What Other People Think of Me" is none of my business, and it's a really good example of surrounding yourself with white light and tuning out this this consciousness, this manure, this this illness that keeps. So many would-be artists paralyzed. And I'm using the term artist loosely. I know I do booger jokes and share my nonsense stories, but I love it. I, on my way from Vegas to Phoenix, I was so engrossed with writing that I missed my turnoff, even with the GPS on, and went 40 minutes in the wrong direction. Before I realized that every sign said Flagstaff Until I'd finally registered with me That's how lost I was in the writing process Which is admittedly probably the, the most I don't know The most thing like work When you're writing and you're digging And you're opening a vein But um, I love it So how much more successful than that do you want me to be? So to this old man I say uh, thank you for sharing now, take all of that manure to the ground and let's fertilize children who have the gall to dream their dream because why else have we come if not to dream our dream? And this old man, I know a little bit about him. He, he's going to die with... He, he's, been a, he's landed in middle management. That's where you, that recipe gets you anyway. Like a, like a tool who works for one of the network's Killing the shows—it's like one of those guys that made Louis C.K. accept half as much money in order to not receive any notes from the suits. So he would be a suit. He's going to die with everything in order and it's all in accordance with Section Forty-Two B of the handbook. And and for what? Said so he. He counted the beans and he pushed the papers and he did everything right and it was safe and he was well insured. Who fucking cares? That's that's the thing that made me angry. Like he's walking about with this this idea that he's gotten it right. It reminded me of Dead Poets Society. The dad. No, Neil, you will not be in the play. Your mother would hate you for it. You're gonna grow up and you're gonna be a doctor and you're gonna like it. And I think it's just we all die if we don't manifest the stuff that we you know that we have to do, be, give you know, the stuff inside us, then uh, I I feel like we're all walking in silent desperation. So whenever I get concerned about money or I worry that the, the muse will finally stop, you know, screwing with me playfully, I remember this guy and I just redouble my conviction because I would rather sleep in a dumpster than have all of my papers in order and die according to section 42, paragraph B. It just I, would, I, I can fall asleep If I nestle with the, the artist within And I keep my own counsel And I stay true to that the, the, the fire in the belly Stay true to that And quit listening To so much sabotage This epidemic Illness of consciousness And kids Get off TV land And listen to me <laughs> Don't listen to these other people I'm the one who's got all the right answers. I'm just all about freedom of expression, people. And uh, that's what grinds my gears. I thought I'd have some big laugh to leave on, but I don't. My friend Don Friesen said, Whenever we get angry, it's because we're missing the joke. So I'm hoping that when I'm all done with this comedy podcast, I'll stop being angry and I'll find the humor in it. And that's my rant, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate you tuning in and I'll smell you later.